Today on the Whole Testament Podcast, we're going to talk about eternal life. Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's brilliant. (laughs) I need to say more than that, though. I need to say more. You're listening to the Whole Testament Podcast, and today we're talking about eternal life or just life. I don't know. It's a new topic to me. We're going to see what we can learn together. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think that's the winner right there. I'm going to have to pay somebody to do our intro and outro. <laughs> Did you tell him they were the Lord's? Hey, we're glad to have you guys here with us again today. We are recording the entree episode to the series we're calling Eternal Life. Yum. Uh, hopefully you have already listened to the appetizer episode. It was delicious. It was it. <laughs> <laughs> did you even listen, Fred? I did. Yeah, he did. Fred has to. He's the audio. Yeah. So it's part of his job description. It is. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm the not so sure. Hundreds exactly of thousands <laughs> of dollars that you pay him to edit the podcast. Right. <laughs> One million. Uh, Yeah, so hopefully you've listened to the Eternal Life episode and uh, Appetizer episode, and now we are going to dive in just a little bit deeper in that um, previous episode, if it's been a little bit since you've listened. Uh, We talked about the story of the rich young ruler and how Jesus comes up to him and he's like, hey, what do I need to have eternal life? Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's some commands about, or there's some conversations about obedience, which we'll get into a little bit today. But then when Jesus responds, he says, do this and you will have life. And so he drops the idea of eternal. And so what we want to do today as we're chatting through all this is to look at um, what does it mean? What does eternal life really mean? And what is it that Jesus would more desire from us as our aspirations in this life? And maybe he has more intended for us than just a get out of hell free card. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people tend to come to faith based on the idea of, I want to go to heaven when I die, and that can be our focus. And so, in fact, I've got this quote um, by Francis Chan. We're, we're, our small group is going through uh, his marriage book, um, You and Me Forever, Marriage in Light of Eternity, and the whole thing is basically saying, your marriage, <laughs> here's his, the, the gist of his marriage book is, your faith is way more important than your marriage. And if you're if you're living based on obedience to what God has called you to, then your marriage will be fine. There's too much to do spiritually to worry about fighting over stupid things. So oh, basically, wow. yeah, it's really good. It's not it's not a book if you want to learn how to communicate. Um, it is a book if you want to learn how to live. Basically, it's crazy how it ties right in with this series that we're doing about yeah. eternal life. <clears throat> it ties right in. Fred's in our small group, and so I am. Yeah, good. so it's been really good. I mean, we've had some really good discussions. So I would encourage anybody out there who's seeking God and wants a better marriage, you could look it up. You and me forever. Marriage in light of eternity. I'm not getting uh, any kickback from this from 
from old Jackie Chan, as I like to call him. <laughs> Jackie um, Chan. <laughs> so Mr. Friend? Mr. Chan says in his book, You and Me Forever, um, if we were, when he, he's talking about what followers of Jesus should look like in as, it, as they relate to mainstream culture. Mm-hmm. And he says, the imagery is of a few living people walking around a bunch of corpses, like a theological zombie film. This is how we are to appear in comparison to the world. Too many Christians are content with appearing to be a bit more moral than the people around them. But the difference between a true Christian and a non-Christian is not about subtle moral distinctions. It's the difference between being alive and being dead. Mm. So, Jesus is calling the rich young ruler. He's saying, yeah, you appear to be fully alive. You appear to have everything that you need in this life to be successful, to be important, to have popularity or authority because he's a ruler, to have all these things, and yet, really, you're dead. Mm -hmm. So, get rid of all of that. Come and follow me, and you will find life. So you'll be alive among the dead, and that's what we're called to be. So this whole podcast today, our goal is to figure out how we can think less about the eternal and to start thinking more about the eternal. That is not confusing at all. (laughs) I need more coffee. (laughs) Don't think about the eternal but think about the eternal. Yeah, so what we're going to do is redefine eternal. All right. I love it. So we're going to redefine our understanding of eternal, think less about that, and think more about Jesus's definition of eternal. So um, I just wanted everybody to know, this is our take two on this episode. We recorded it a few weeks ago, and then as I was editing it, the Spirit of God said, nah. Train wreck? Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was good. There's some good stuff. That <clears throat> our Fred and I were talking before we started about some of the stuff that we said that challenged him, you know, in yeah. that recording. No, right, and yeah. maybe at some time, I still have the audio. We'll just drop it out there maybe like at some point. But as I was doing it, God was like, I felt like God was saying, there's a whole lot of you guys talking and, and, I really want to be the one who's doing most of the talking, is what God said. And so, my my notes this time compared to my notes last time are significantly different. Mm-hmm. So, I usually put together, hey, here's the direction, the flow, let's I'll send it out, we'll chat about it, and then we'll get together and record. And this one is basically pa- scripture passage after scripture passage. Just walking through the Bible, starting at the beginning, going to the end, where God says, "This is what I say about eternal life." And so, what a novel concept crazy, for right? a podcast yeah. called <laughs> "The Whole Testament." The Whole Testament that we're going to use so novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. why don't we use the Whole Testament and listen to listen to what God says, and then we'll maybe just uh, talk about how that makes us feel. So love it. Uh, here we go. Um, So let's start. Let's start in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Somebody else read it. I'll read it. All right. All right. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So, Adam and Eve eat of it, and then they immediately drop dead, and all of humanity no longer exists, right? Uh, no. No. I knew you were going to do that. Did you know? Did you yeah. know? So well, did I knew they you die? were going to do that. Do they die, Ken? Yeah, because it's like, you, sh- you shall surely die. They eat of it, but they don't die. Right. So what's up? Yeah. Is God a liar? No. Because, so I asked my kids this, and they're like, but they did eventually die. And, and I'm like, yeah, like 900 years later. <laughs> right. But still, they did die. Yeah. But, it, but the problem is, the struggle is, it says, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die die so what's the theological statement that god's making here what is genesis teaching us the very beginning is teaching us something about the plight of humanity what is it that disobedience brings death question mark (laughs) i don't know that's a long pause okay you go fred no, no I, I was I was only pausing because I wanted to I can I just want to have everybody yeah. involved. So No, I mean I yeah, they were disobedient and that but and that brings up but I would have said what your kids say. I mean like, well they died eventually, so that statement isn't false. Right. But they, the fact that they won't die isn't false. The fact right. that in the day that you eat of it right. does not appear to make sense to our Western, Western yeah, I was Christian gonna, minds. I was going to maybe dive in on that. Define death. Are we talking physical death? Are we talking spiritual death? Oh. Did I just hit something? I, I, I looked at both look, of you guys. I'm, I'm not like, the, I'm not the people, I'm can't, not. people can't see us, but like I looked at Dave and I looked at Fred and they were like, eyes kind of... I mean, think about that though. Is Are we... Obviously, physical death is a reality unless the Lord returns and we, you know, then we don't have to die. But spiritual death is a reality for us. Yeah. And that's, I think that's maybe what Genesis is getting at. Yeah, I I 100% agree that what I think this passage tells us is, well, later on in Scripture, it does tell us that when Adam sinned, death entered. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the physical death entered in when death when Adam sinned. But on the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die is not the physical death. It is the spiritual death. Okay. And so what we find in the very beginning is God is saying, I have set out a specific way in which you are to live. You can do you're to work, care for the garden, toil over it, manage it, and you can eat from anything in here except for this one tree. I give you this one choice, this one option, and when you choose that, then you will you are no longer alive spiritually. You die spiritually. Mm-hmm. So disobedience is death. So that's the very beginning of Genesis. Okay. Now let's watch as this same theme goes throughout. We're going to jump ahead to the end of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Right. 
Kevin, you want this one? Yeah, I do, actually. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. And I would, I, when I read this in preparation, uh-huh. I get jacked up because that is a quote in Romans yeah. 10, 9 yeah. and 10. Yeah. The word of God is not far off. He's quoting Deuteronomy. So yeah. I was like, that's it's Paul. That, Paul that, uses that. The Old Testament, right? Dude, I love it. So good. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay. So going back to verse 12, it is not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you shall say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. But the Lord is very near to you. It is in your mouth and and in your heart so that you may do it. Now, hold on. I want to just pause a second because some folks out there listening may have the opinion that um, the reason why Jesus had to come and do away with the old covenant was because it was impossible for anybody to keep it. Right. But the old covenant, as they would call it, the Torah, Deuteronomy here says, it's not impossible for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not so far away that you have to go find it. It's in your heart and in your mouth. Like it's right there. It's not impossible. What makes it impossible is we're so much like Adam and Eve that wow. we've been given all of this stuff, but it's that one thing. It's like what Paul talks about, like sin, how do I know what sin is except for the law, which he's saying, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right. the law, the Torah. The Torah, yeah. It's the only way I know what sin is. But the problem is as soon as I read it, as soon as God says, don't eat from that tree, that tree, sin now takes a hold and says, that tree becomes my whole focus, Right, And so this is Deuteronomy saying it's not so difficult. It's not beyond you. So to say it was not possible is not true. It was possible. In fact, Paul says he was faultless according to the law. Right. Elizabeth and Zechariah, when it talks about them in the New Testament, the ba- parents of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. it also says they were perfect according to the law. Right. So it is possible. Right. And right? is it Anna and Simeon also in the uh, righteous before the Lord? Observing all the commandments. Yeah, is that, I think, yeah. like yep. Luke 1, I think, or something like that. So it's not impossible. That's a misunderstanding of the commands. Can it's, I, I don't want to jump in here. Can I ask a question about like the 613 commandments? Because okay. I, I feel like I get people say that, well, you got to, there's 613 commandments and, you know, you have to do, you know, people say you have to do them all, but that's not really true. Because no. 613 is the total number. And I think that might be a point of uh, correction or clarification. So for somewhere anybody... For, somewhere oh, for... Oh, yeah, go Yeah, ahead. just hang, hang on. So for anybody who's not aware of what he's talking about, um, the rabbis have gone through the law, the Torah, and they have counted every, com- every time there's a command, whether a do this command or a don't do this command. Right. And they come up with the number 613. It's really significant, the number 613. There's so many cool numerological connections and things like that um, that are involved in that, but we're not. this is a separate podcast that we may do or we may not do anyway. Um, so that's what he's talking about. So the rabbi, so I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard, but I've heard people say, you know, when they tend to be negatively speaking about the Jewish traditions, mm-hmm. um, say, God gave us 10... And the rabbis turned it into 613. That's what I was getting Saying the commands at. are the Ten Commandments. Yes. 
Oh, well, go ahead then. No, you're right. So, but what but people say is, well, you have to, you know, God only gave us 10. We turn it into 613. Everybody's got to do the 613 to be blameless and faultless. But the problem with that and what I've really discovered in the last couple of weeks is as I read into that is not all of the commandments are for everybody. There were certain right. commands for, for the women, for, for the men. women, for the men. There were certain commands for Aaron that were only specific to Aaron as the high priest. There yeah. were specific commands for the Levitical priests under him. Mm-hmm. So to say, well, we have to do 613 is kind of kind of dumb. Yeah, well, and you know what's interesting is there's like 1,024 in the New Testament. Commandments? He, yeah, commands. Oh, let's go. Oh, so, so it's just, it doesn't get easier, it gets harder, actually. Mm, that's so good. Wow, that was huge. That was a, a nice little side side trail there. Go ahead, uh, verse fifteen. Verse fifteen. See, I have set before you today life, life and good, death and evil. This is the English Standard Version. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, and by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today... Hang on, I want to just stop there too again. Um, I think I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... these are None, none of this is in my notes, but it doesn't matter. Um, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. Basically, what that verse says is, if we turn away from the commands of God, we are worshiping idols. Because to not obey him is to be drawn after things that are not his, which is worshiping other gods, which in our culture, they're not actual well, there are, like, there are other gods, you know, out there. You can go worship crystals, or you can go worship Oh yeah. Um, all the gods of Buddhism or Sikhism or, you know, more of these isms yeah. that I'm not, I, I don't know. But there are. In fact, I just recorded a guy who came out of the Muslim faith, uh, mm-hmm. which is coming down the line in a, well. Future podcast. Future podcast. Yeah. And it, oh my goodness, incredible incredible testimony you guys will want to hang out for that one it's a few few episodes down the road but yeah to go against god to turn to not hear and not obey is to worship other gods you know what you know what i think of when i read verse 17 but if your heart turns away it uh-huh. just tells you that the that the commandments of god are really a heart issue yeah how much of it how much of it do we talk about the do this or don't do that, or it's outward expression, the things that you do, that's what God's really after. I don't think that's what God's after. Mm-hmm. God's after your heart. Right. Because if he has your heart, then he has your love and obedience. Right, which he, he says, stop. Stop bringing sacri- your sacrifices. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. they're appalling to me. Like, your obedience is appalling because your heart isn't there. Right. He doesn't desire obedience that necessarily. Like, that he sounds desires. like Isaiah chapter 1. Yeah. Yeah. Which go go ahead because this next go ahead yeah okay <laughs> dude we're we're just jumping ahead of ourselves sidebar I declare to you okay so uh, let's see verse eighteen yeah eighteen I declare to you today that you shall surely perish you shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess 
And verse 18 basically is, is the continuation of if your heart turns away, right, right. then these are the ramifications, right? Yeah. Okay, so verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. And Toby Mac made a, a song about choose life. You can look that up if you want. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. Life and death. Obedience is life. Disobedience is death. Both physical and spiritual. Yes. So it is a copy in Deuteronomy of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Genesis Adam and two. Eve. Yeah. Yep. It's an exact copy. And you said it sounds like Isaiah 1. Yeah. So he's who's the witnesses he calls in Deuteronomy? Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Hear, o, this is Isaiah 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. It's mm. heaven and earth. Good. He's like, you're the witnesses. Look. Yep. Which, speaking of heaven and earth, mm-hmm. our next series I knew you were going to go there. Called, you, did you know? I knew that. I didn't even know. I just saw <laughs> it. Good. Uh, yeah, the next series is the collision of heaven and earth, mm-hmm. and it's, it's good. So hang out for that one, too. I'll so, be here for it. Will you? I think so. I, don't, I hope so. I haven't been invited for that one yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. RSVP. So, so we've got Genesis. Google Calendar invite. We, we got Deuteronomy. We, there's probably a million passages in between, but we're going to skip to some New Testament ones that might be more familiar where we see the same theme because it's like we don't – too often we see the New Testament in eyes of grace, like – which is highly significant that mm-hmm. that there is grace. But – um, to say grace is on a higher level than obedience would be a misunderstanding of the New Testament. So I was gonna I was gonna add there that it's it's not necessarily grace; it's a hyper grace it, because grace endues responsibility. You get grace so that you can walk in what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's our understanding of grace is marred maybe our theology is this like i receive grace now i can go do what i want i don't think that's the biblical definition of grace. does that make sense yeah i agree and i don't have the passage in front of me but i'm pretty sure it's in hebrews hebrews is so good it's so hard but it's so good yeah the theological truth if you can really get to the heart of it anyway in in hebrews it says um that some paraphrasing something along the lines of he paid, uh, his death on the cross paid the penalty for the transgressions that were committed under the old covenant. So we read that and we're like, see, we're not bound by the old covenant anymore because Jesus died and he paid for that penalty. But it's to say then that we're no longer bound is to say, oh, I got a ticket for speeding and I have to go into the court and then my rich, rich uncle Kevin comes in and he's like, you know what? I know you were just being dumb. You're a dumb kid and you don't know anything. So I'm going to pay your ticket for you. 
him paying the ticket for the fine against the speeding doesn't mean that now who we can go out and speed whenever we want. It's not a, I don't have to, I, the law of speeding no longer abides, applies to me. Yeah. It's the penalty that I am due because I was speeding has been paid. Right. That's what Jesus did. He paid for the transgressions that we have committed under the old covenant. But that doesn't mean that we're no longer bound by the commands that were given. Right. So even so, yeah. Well, well, well. Let's see what Jesus says about it. Okay. So I made that huge statement. I didn't read any scriptures. Go check it out. You have to read all the Hebrews to find it. Um, and I made this theological thing that I can already hear people. Wow. You know, I can already hear the the the, the, the theologians who might they probably turned this off a long time ago but the ones that who might be listening saying that's that's not accurate well let's just see what jesus says so matthew 19 7 fred you okay. got this one and he said to him why do you ask me, me about what is good there's only one who is good if you would enter life keep the commandments okay so here's jesus saying keep the commandments boom right but that's only the ten commandments are you sure well, I, that's what we're going to say that okay. is. Okay, well, then let's go backwards in, in Matthew to Matthew 5, what Kevin was just talking about. So Matthew why don't you five. read it? Because you were talking about Matthew okay. five seventeen. 17. Uh, yes, uh, uh, 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, un until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot. Will so... Iota or dot in the Hebrew language, you have so the iota is like the smallest marking, mm -hmm. and then the, it's like almost like a comma the, or just yeah, a little, little yeah. Hash. So these he's basically saying like the yod, which is the smallest of the Hebrew letters, it's mm -hmm. more like an apostrophe, mm -hmm. and then the dots are like um, one of the letters, like the Hebrew shin. Um, can make a s a s sound or a sh sound, mm -hmm. depending on where the dot is placed. If it's on the left or the right above the letter, and so it changes the way you pronounce a word. So the dot makes the it makes a the the sound like whether yeah. we say ch or sh with the right. ch. You know, it can in our language anyway. No, it's good. So that's it's like these minor things that really you could get by without. Possibly there's they are that significant. Yes, because it could change the definition of a, or it could change what the word is or yes. how it's interpreted. Yes. Right. So not an iota or a dot. Well, okay, yeah. Verse eighteen. So truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away. From the law until all is accomplished. Okay, so I can already hear, like, I can hear the discussion going on. First off, I want to say, when does it say that this will happen? Not until what? Until heaven and earth pass away. Are heaven and earth still here? Yes. He's not here to abolish any of it, which is tends to be taught that Jesus came and did away with all of that. He's in his own language is saying, I'm not here to abolish any of this, but to fulfill them. And so we're going to say, yes, he fulfilled it on the cross so that we no longer have to do that, right? That's going to be the common answer to that. He fulfilled it on the cross. He says, though, until heaven and earth pass away, which heaven and earth are still here, 
none of it will pass from the law until it's all accomplished. So then we're going to say, what, what is the mostly the response to that? It was accomplished on the cross. Right, because what were his last words? It is finished. It is finished. Right. So when he said it is finished, he accomplished that all. The problem that I see with that reasoning is there are probably hundreds of prophecies that are not yet fulfilled because he's yet to return. He's yet to set up his kingdom. He's yet to come riding in on the horse. He's come on a donkey, but he hasn't come on the horse to establish his kingdom. All Ezekiel talks about a third temple being rebuilt. None of this has happened yet. So, so to say that he fulfilled it all on the cross is to say that none of those prophecies are to come about because it's all been fulfilled. I am looking at Dave right now. Our eyes are locked. It's, it's weird. Pa- it's, it's kind of awkward. It's intense. You guys are intense? There's a tent in here? I believe there's so much in the Old Testament that talks about Jesus' second coming that what we've done is we've hijacked our faith because we have per- propagated what you're talking about, the theology that it was all done away with on the cross. Mm-hmm. And now we've not looked at those passages, Ezekiel, Habakkuk, and there is tons of imagery about Jesus' second return in the Old Testament. And then on top of that, uh, what, what is interesting, so uh, my wife and I read through the Bible in a year, every year. And so right now, this year I decided, you know what I'm going to do every time I'm in the New Testament and it quotes or talks about uses, in specifically in Paul, because if we're to take our theology that says Jesus did away with the cross, there are, there are, I will give you, there are so many passages in the writings of Paul that would speak truth to that. Right. They're, it's very confusing, and if anybody wants to have the dialogue, you can look me up, thewholetestament.com, and I can help you navigate through all those scriptures according to the way that I've understood it after studying a significant amount of Judaism and the Old Testament. But Paul, I'm writing in the back of my Bible every time Paul uses the, the Torah to right. teach the Corinthians, the Philippians, the Ephesians, the, the Thessalonians. Like, I'm writing into the back because if he's saying all of, if we're going to say all this has been fulfilled or done away with, then it's no longer a, vi- a valid argument for how we should live our life. And so I'm writing it down. It's like 25 or 30 times. I'm not through it all yet. We're right. just into Thessalonians where he says, as you should do this, as the law also says. You right. know, he says, right. he's saying you should do this because this is what the law says. Right. Anyway, woo, way off topic. This has nothing to do with eternal life. Okay, so the next verse, whoever relaxes, this is Jesus in Matthew, because you may have gotten, forgot where we are. <laughs> Matthew 5, 17 through 20, Matthew 5, 19, Jesus says, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same. Well, what commandments? Is he talking about the Ten Commandments? No, because he includes the prophets. I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. He's talking Old Testament. Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
which is a huge statement to the people that are listening when he's doing this on the Sermon on the Mount, because the scribes and Pharisees are the righteous ones. And he's saying, you have your righteousness, which goes back to what you said earlier, the scribes and Pharisees' righteousness was a righteousness of obedience, and look at me how obedient I am. Right. And that's not what God is desiring. He's desiring a righteousness that comes from obedience from the heart. Yes. And so all of the Sermon on the Mount are, oh, you maybe you don't have adulterous relationships, but what is it your heart is doing? Maybe you don't kill, yeah. you're not a murderer, but what right. is it your heart is doing? So Jesus takes all these laws and commands that they've always had from Moses and says, this is the heart of what God is calling us to. And if you forsake these, if you teach others to, you might make it into the kingdom of heaven, right? but you might be least in the kingdom of heaven. Right. I'm coming back to the beginning. I'm coming back to you. But there was nothing in between us and nothing came from We talk about eternal life, Fred. Let me start with you. Yes. When you say eternal life, what images does that conjure in your mind? Living forever. Like when when you when you when you die, you go to heaven and you're in this perfect body and you're you're living forever. Yes. Kevin? It's it's a after you die thing. It's not a it's not a like a it doesn't start now. Is that Hundred percent. I have nothing to add. I mean, right. that, I, that's, that's. But I'm that's now I'm right. adding. But now I'm adding. So, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> I think that's the. That's the entire. That is the entire thing. It's yeah. the ticket when you die, go to heaven, eternal life. Yeah, Done. eternal. That eternal is life, life. and right. eternal life is exists for. There are two. Do we subdivide? Humanity gets subdivided at eternal life, right? Okay, yes, yes, it is. What's the subdivision? Heaven or hell. And who goes where? Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Yes, and what defines good? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, I would say it's not even about it's not even about good and bad. I know. It's I about belief yeah. and not belief. Unbelief right? and belief. Yes. Yeah. Confession, yes. belief. Right. That's right. what um That's what a lot of it I mean, we've been taught that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it's the it's it sets us up for a false security that I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I believe that Jesus is, you know, the savior of the world. Now I can go do what I want. Mm-hmm. Which is a completely foreign. Um, it's I, that's completely foreign to the Bible. And our last recording of this episode, which we re-recorded because right. it was it was good, but it wasn't what God wanted. I don't think. Um, Anyway, we did we did take a rabbit trail down when eternal life actually starts to come about uh, because it's not it's really a, in between the scriptures in between Malachi and Matthew 
the that pesky white page that Kevin coined. Um, that it's in the pesky white page time period, about four hundred years, that the phrase eternal life really begins to take root. Uh, the Old Testament's term is like life unto the age, which mm-hmm. is like for a certain is a period of time. Depending, and it's defined differently. The age is defined differently. It could be a generation. It could be eternal. It could sometimes translated forever. So that's the Old Testament idea, but there's no real concept of uh, up in, except for a few places. Like Daniel talks about it. Um, there's no mention really of it in the Torah. Daniel ta- is the first one to actually say, when we die, the righteous and and unrighteous will be separated and judged to, accordingly. Daniel. Uh, 12. Yeah. So it's not until Daniel that we have that. But then in the in the intertestament periods, if you start reading some of the books that we don't have in our Bibles, some people may have them. um, That's where you start to find it really starts to pick pick up steam. And now you see as we're entering the New Testament, like with the rich young ruler, there's also the lawyer. We mentioned both of those in the appetizer that come to Jesus saying, Hey, what do I gotta do to have eternal life? Even in their statements, they're saying, what must I do to have eternal life? So the Hebraic understanding is what we've read. Moses says, God says, obey and you will have life. It's obedience that gives us life. It's action that brings us life and the wrong action brings us death. So they're saying what actions need to be happening to give me eternal life. But the beauty of it is, which is so significant, eternal life is a huge hope that we have as followers of Jesus. It's that both of both of you have lost your fathers, mm-hmm. right? And they were both highly significant in your lives. Mm-hmm. And you both had to, and probably still are, wrestling through the struggle of losing your father. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we have this hope. Right. Right. That they're both in heaven. Mm-hmm. They both, they lived their life in a way that of faith in who... Jesus is, so they go to heaven. And we all have that super amazing hope that when we die, we get to go join them. Significant. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely significant. In fact, it says in John, let's go back to what God says, 524, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from life to death. Jesus says, if we hear him, if we believe his word and him who sent him, which I think is interesting. It's like separating out Jesus and God a little bit there. Mm -hmm. It's like you hear my words and believe him. Mm -hmm. God sent me, which is a totally thing we don't... that's another boost at the Old Testament right there, right? I knew you were going there. Yeah, did that, you know? I did know that. <laughs> I did know that because uh, in our study, we've talked about how Jesus is the pattern of Moses, mm-hmm. and Moses is they believed God, and Moses the one that they've sent. And mm-hmm. that phrase is used in the right. Torah. So, And now Jesus is that prophet that yeah. Moses is talking about in Deuteronomy 18. So that language is believe God and because Jesus has testified to mm-hmm. it, just like the pattern that Moses 
Came right. And Dude, so, I love that. Yeah. So good. How do you believe him who sent me? Because he told me he was going to send me. And where do we find that? Back to there in the part we don't spend a lot of time. Right. This is the thing I love is once you believe he has passed from death to life, it is not he will pass from death into life. When you die, you will pass into life. Here's Jesus saying, remember, when did death happen? When did Adam die? At the garden. That day. Yeah. Genesis 2. He died. Jesus says, on that day that you hear my words and believe in me, you have now passed from death to life. So when does eternal life really begin? When we hear the voice of Jesus, we put his, put our trust in him, we have passed over. Yeah. But then I wanted to read this next passage, which is also in John. So John 3.16, can one of you quote it? I don't have it in the notes. Yeah, I do, but don't read your notes. See if you can do it. You know what's funny? Is, well, go ahead. See if you can do it, Fred. Do you know it? John 3.16, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> For God so loved the world, he sends his only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's right. Now, now quote John 3.36. No. We don't know. We don't, <laughs> we don't know. know that one. Everybody knows would, John 3.16. I would even I would even jump well, on this. We don't even know 17 and 18. Right, we don't. Right. We, we only don't. stop at 16. Right. Yeah. 17 and 18 is very pointed because he's like, look, if you don't believe, you're already condemned. Yeah. Which is, that's kind of crazy, yeah. scary yep. to read that. So anyway, you yes. want me to go ahead and read No, 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 36? because I was going to tell the story because we all know John 3.16 and yeah. Stephanie knows it really, really well, but there was one search service where she had, you never right, asked, I was right? there. <laughs> she had to say it and she, and she totally like, you know, all these people that like, know the Star Spangled Banner and then blank, blank when they're supposed they to sing it. Blank she on just it? blanked and she's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I don't know. Did everybody she's start like, laughing at I her? totally know this, but for some reason I can't. Yeah. <laughs> that so, is hilarious. That is funny. I'm sorry, Steph. Okay. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yes. So, then, let's read John 3, 36, just part A. Uh, I have it here. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Right. So, there it is. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Okay. Wait a second. We have eternal life right now is what you're saying. Yeah. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Ding, ding, ding. Right? It's that easy. Read part B. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You can believe and have eternal life, but if you do not obey, you don't see life. And the wrath of God remains on you. Whoever teaches... These will be great, but whoever teaches others not to do these things will be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. We may make it. You might make it because when we believe we have eternal life, but if we don't obey, then what is happening is we have the wrath of God on us and we don't have life. We don't have, does that go with, we don't have life to the fullest? Yeah, because Jesus said, I've come to give you life to the fullest by right. putting yeah. putting the the, what you, Whoever believes in him who sent me, him who sent me wrote the first half of the book. Yep. 
And he's saying, these are the things that you should be doing. This is how you should be living your life. This is how you shall be ordering it so that you may live. And Jesus is saying the same thing, except put it in his true context, which is obedience from a heart that has been changed by somebody who no longer has to go to the commands in order to justify ourselves, Mm -hmm. but we are justified in the fact that he says we're justified, so now we can go to the commands as worship. You just blew probably half the people's theology out of the water on that one. The way we have framed words, though, Dave, I think this is very important. The way we have talked about justification, law, grace, we frame them in a way that what you're saying would be very counter, it would be cognitive dissonance. It's like, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't understand it. It's like talking about our square circle. It Logically, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it does and it doesn't. Just chew on it. You guys can just chew on that and, and think about it because we got a bunch of more scriptures to get to. And, and it's, it goes along this idea that whoever doesn't obey, the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Mm-hmm. So we have put... We have put eternal life and judgment, like the wrath of God is like on the day of judgment, right? It's not now, it's on the day of judgment. And as long as I've obeyed God, as long as I believe in Jesus, then there is no, then when I come to the end, I don't have to fear the judgment. And we've kind of put that in there. But you know, there are so many scriptures that I'm just going to, we're just going to rifle through a bunch of them, okay? Um, That might say, something different. Look at, look at, let's go to Romans 8, 5 through 8. I don't know whose turn it is to read, but somebody read it. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. This is in the New Testament. I know. Verse 8, those who are, of the f- are, are in the flesh cannot please God. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. That sounds like Deuteronomy. That sounds like Deuteronomy 30. Yeah. which we read earlier. Yeah. yeah. And this is Paul. For according, if we set our minds on the flesh, it is death. So disobedience, that's what it says in Deuteronomy. Any, anybody who does not hear my laws and goes and worships other gods, the other God that we worship is our flesh, which mm-hmm. our next entree episode will be dealing with this, the the struggle of the living a life of spirit and living a life of flesh. Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to get into. So we're not going to touch on this too much right now, but I just wanted you to see the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. God's law, not Moses's law, not a law that's been fulfilled and done away with. It's God's law. I don't know how many times, we were doing, we were going through um, with my kids studying the Torah just a few few weeks ago, and I was asking them to read out of um, Numbers. 
It was in Numbers. And Rivka looks at me and she goes, does every chapter begin with God spoke to Moses saying? And I was Mm -hmm. like, Rivka, you're amazing. Because she was trying to figure out where we were. So she's looking at all the chapter, all the verse headings. And it, it was like 10 or 11 sections and only two of them did not start that way. It's God spoke to Moses saying, God spoke to Moses saying, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I'm thinking about, uh, wow, Galatians, the end of Galatians, life in the spirit, do not, you know, for the spirit works against the flesh. Yeah. That might be part of our yeah. passage. That's, yeah. For the spirit, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. You know, we can rattle that off. But if you understand within context, it's flesh versus spirit. Man, that's good. Okay, so I have a bunch more scriptures here that I have written down that I want to read. And we're just going to kind of read through them and then we'll go back and say, what was the theme in all of these passages? Because okay. it is the whole Testament. So we got to get through a bunch of more of, of the Testaments, right? The, the scriptures. So uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. Fred, you got that one? Yep. <clears throat> and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Yeah, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work. So we both have, we all have the spirit at work in us. Depends on what spirit. Yeah, the spirit yeah. of obedience or the spirit of disobedience. And I love uh, the first dead in, our, in the trans, trespasses and sins. That's not the same as transgressions though. Trespasses is translated. There, oh, is so tris- here's a place in the New Testament where you have two words for sin that what is probably related okay. to what we talked about in the That's what previous I was going to reference, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Okay, okay. If we don't know what we're talking about, go back to the entree on the paralytic, yep. and we talk about the different words for sin in the Hebrew Bible. All right. Now, um, 2 Corinthians 5.10. Okay. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Each one will receive, when we stand before God, will receive what is due for what was done in the body, whether good or evil. Uh, Let's go all the way to Revelation. Is that 12 and 13? Yep. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So what's the theme? What you do actually matters. What you do in this life actually matters. It does. We will all be judged according to what we do. Um, I found a couple quotes that I was just like, oh. Uh, So how do you reconcile that with God's grace? Grace is a gift, unmerited favor, what we've heard. mm -hmm. I receive Christ. I've received the grace that he gives me. How do I reconcile what we just read and what we just said? 
I think these quotes might speak to it. That's a really good question. And okay. if they don't, maybe I'll read the quote and then break it down how I understand it answering your question. Because I think that's what people in yeah, the pew are I, thinking. I'm absolutely going to say, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's fair. So I don't know if you guys know who Tim Mackey is. He's the Bible Project guy. Mm-hmm. He's really yes. good at communicating. So yeah, he is. He's so good. Fantastic. Um, he said, hell, it is the end result of an entire life trajectory of increasing separation from God. That's a fantastic quote. Yeah, and if you want another one, you can go to C.S. Lewis. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, it wouldn't be hell. There are two people, people that say to God, your will be done. And then there are, is a group of people that God says to them, your will be done. Your will be done. Dang. Oof. Millard Erickson, Christian theologian. Hell is God's leaving a sinful human with a particular character that that person fashioned for themselves in this life. So basically the idea is this. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Um, And I think that that merits me eternal life. But what I do after that point determines the amount of belief I actually have. And when our life, Jesus says, I give you life. Life, eternal life begins at the moment we say, I submit myself to you. Your will be done. Right now, in this moment, eternal life begins. Then, what we do with that next period of time before we actually cross over from physical eternal life to spiritual eternal life, when we actually cross over, we have spent that amount of time creating in ourselves, who we will be when we cross over. So how we spend the next moment from here to the end of our life is shaping and defining what kind of spiritual being we will be when we move in because eternal life doesn't begin at death. It begins now. Right. And so we are already shaping and creating our eternity. Mm, That's deep. So what do we do with the grace of God? The grace of God says, you are no longer held accountable for your willful transgression against my plan. I pay the fine, release you from the bondage that you have put yourself under. It is mine. I have taken it. You are now looked at through Jesus And what the book of Hebrews says is he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made you perfect. So if you're sitting there thinking, I believe in Jesus, but my life sucks. I got all kinds of sin. I got all kinds of addictions. I got all this. He says, he's looking at you and he says, I have made you perfect. Eternal life has begun. You have entered eternal life. You are perfect because I call you perfect now. Get off your butt, 
and let me make you holy. Love that. Let's move forward into holiness. And I told you already what that looks like because I gave it to you 3,000 years ago. Right. What it looks like to be my people. Deuteronomy says, the nations around you will say, look how close their God is to them because of such righteous laws and decrees. His closeness is defined in the obedience that we live, the life. You want life? Do you want life? Does your life suck? Are you frustrated? Are you stressed out? Are you financially strapped? Are you um, about to be divorced? Are you, Jesus says, I have given you life. It has started now. In your obedience, you will become holy. And in holiness, you experience true life. He tells the rich young ruler, you've done all the rules. You've kept everything. But what you're doing is there's that one thing you're holding back. It's that one thing you're holding back. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Come follow me. Follow me. Live the life I'm going to live. Do you think Jesus broke any of the commands of God? Hmm? No. If you think so, we can talk about it. Send me an email. I'll show you how you're wrong. (laughs) Wow. He can't possibly have broken any commands and been a perfect sacrifice. Totally. Totally agree. Isn't that, that that just seems so much like an echo of um, Genesis 17 when God talks to Abraham and he basically, and we know from the New Testament that it says he believed God and he was decla- and it, it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about Genesis 17 is he declares that he's righteous and then he says, now I will teach you to walk. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at. Well, and that's the same in Acts 15, which we yes. get this one wrong. It says, what do we do with the Gentiles? You know, some people may be saying, what do they need to do? And he's like, well, just these four things. And we stop with those four things. The very first line is, they're deciding what were the requirements to be saved. What, how can they be saved? So what are the requirements of salvation? These four things. They need to stop these four things. And then the very next verse says, because from the beginning of time, Moses is taught every week in their synagogue. So to be saved, we have to just, there are some things you have to remove immediately in order to have that life. You can't say, I believe and change nothing. God changes things in your life. Mm -hmm. He shapes your heart, and you have to throw off those things. And then from that point forward, you are being taught week after week after week. And is there not a grace that comes along to help you walk it out? Yes. And I think that's important for people to hear too, because then if, if you don't hear that there's a grace that enables you to walk out this righteousness that we stand in, then it becomes a do this, don't do that, follow the rules. Right. Which is... Which that grace is. Which is also the other pendulum swing. He has made you perfect. Right, exactly. Know that. Know that. Yeah. He's made you perfect. So your failures, your... Go back to the previous entree episode. Your sin is missing the mark. It's not iniquity. It's not transgression. We are held accountable for iniquity and transgression. But that sin, that where I'm trying and I just keep messing up and I keep... Is him saying, okay, I'm going to use these experiences and use these in you. You are perfect. I have called you perfect, but you got to let me make you holy. And here's the reason why we should desire this. For Well, for two, we just said... We will stand before him and be judged on what we have done. Mm -hmm. And what we have done for followers of Jesus begins at the point we say, I believe. Not before that. When we believe, right, everything that happens before in my life, before I say, I believe, is gone. 
What happens when I say I believe is now, what are you doing with the gift I've given you? Right. What talent, did you bury it in the ground? Did you make an influence in your life? Did you change the world? Did you uh, solely live your life for yourself? This verse that I found in 1 Corinthians is, is, has shook me greatly. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Our foundation at that moment, which we say we believe, we have laid the foundation of Jesus Christ in our life. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. So the day when we stand before Jesus and we begin to be judged, like it said in Ephesians and Revelation and all those other places we didn't read, because it will be revealed by fire. John the Baptist says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, mm-hmm. that fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation, which is Jesus, survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. We are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The moment I say, I believe, a new chapter begins. I am perfect. I am being made holy in every choice, every decision, every action that comes after that is building upon the foundation of Jesus. And I can build with gold, silver, precious metals, jewels, things that are going to last. Store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, right? Or I can build with wood, hay, and straw. The things of the flesh, which we'll talk about in the next episode, the things that are um, about this life and not about what is eternal, those things are going to burn up. And so the question becomes, we're going to stand before God. We're going to have our building and we're going to walk through the fire. And then what we have left is what we enter into the presence of God with. And we're going to say, you sent your son. You died on the cross. You gave me everything I needed for life and godliness through the glory of him who called us. I think that's First John. I don't know. But he's given us everything. You gave me everything. And with what you gave me, this is what I have. I lived my life and made every decision and choice to bring glory and honor to you. Those were the things that drove me or I was consumed with firewood and mm. now I'm covered in ash. That is so crazy that you said that. It's crazy that this verse is in here because we were on vacation over the 4th of July uh-huh. and we were talking about the thing that concerns us or that we're like, what's the thing that you're most fearful of? It was kind of a weird conversation because you don't always say like, Hey, what are you fearful of? You know, what's your greatest fear, right? <laughs> so it's not, it was just a weird conversation, but here's here's the, the turnkey of that whole conversation was they what we were going around the horn. I've got three children, my, my wife, Julie, and I, and our three children, and we were talking about what are we fearful of? And this is what one of my children said. One of my children said that when I go through the fire and I come before the Lord, that everything I've built my life on, all I have is ashes in my hands. 
That's what one of my kids said. Yeah. That is the thing that they are most fearful of, that when I show up before the Lord, all I have is ashes because it wasn't precious, it wasn't stones, it wasn't fine metal, all that. That's crazy that this verse is in here because literally that was last week. Yeah. Whew. So it should, this should change everything. For sure. Stop the recording on that. <laughs> and it's a mic drop.